Ladies and gentlemen. Nobody heard any of that, Dave. Nobody heard it. You 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 got to speak up. I yelled. You did? <laughs> well, okay, maybe you need to quiet down. Okay. Just just say it just say it again for my pleasure. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. I thought having to do it a second time was going to throw you off, but you did a pretty good job. Did did I not say and? No, you didn't say and, but it's weird that you don't even know. I don't. <laughs> All right, guys. Possessed. Welcome back to another lab episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Willemowski. Dave! How are you doing? I'm, I'm quite alert now. I'm doing pretty yeah. good. I had a long shift today, but it was self-inflicted, so I feel empowered. It was my decision. I wanted mm -hmm. to do it. A little extra money. So mm -hmm. and now I'm all, I'm all fired up and ready to do the show. It's going to be great. That, that kind of makes me feel bad because there you are working an extra shift to make a little bit more money. And then you come home and do this for no money. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is fun. This is yeah. my hobby. Well, no. We're, we're dressing for success. This is what we want to do. Yeah. You got to dress for the job that you want. No. Uh, you know, we would be able to do this full time, I think. If we had more people go to our Patreon and our PayPal and yeah. give Good us day. money to do what, what is this that we do? What is, what is we provide entertainment and information? Yeah. We provide things for their listening, viewing pleasure. Yeah. For their yeah. Pleasure. For their yeah. Pleasure. I, I, I like the word pleasure. I'm going to use it a yeah. lot tonight just so that yeah. you're all right. Word of the day. Um, Dave, you might recall a few weeks ago, we did a segment talking about the exploding real estate and rental prices and the lack of utilities to take care of the exploding population in certain parts of the country, particularly my neck of the woods here in southern middle Tennessee. Uh, we talked about how the median income here is still under $30,000, but all the new homes are well north. They're like approaching half a million dollar homes and rental prices are like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a month is the average. And I'd say, well, this this is not sustainable. But even worse than all that was the fact that the population that currently exists is already taxing our power grid and water to its max, to its limits. And yet we have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands more people moving to the area. And that just doesn't it doesn't make sense, right? Like that just doesn't add up. Something has to give nope. there. Well, uh, our favorite congressman, Thomas Massey from Kentucky, was addressing Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, specifically talking about electric vehicles and the power grid and uh, kilowatt hours and how these things just don't really add up. Take a look at this clip right here. The average uh, household uses 17 percent of their electricity for air conditioning, and uh, that would mean the average household uses 1,870 kilowatt hours per year for air conditioning. If that average household plugged in electric cars, do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning that air conditions their whole house? No, but again, I would emphasize it. Will well, let be me help less you. Let me help you with overall. that first before we go on, because the numbers are important. It would take four times as much electricity to charge the average household's cars as the average household uses on air conditioning. 
Do you think that could be? So if we reach the goal by 2030 that Biden has of a 50 percent adoption instead of 100 percent adoption, that means the average household would use twice as much electricity charging one of their cars as they would use for all of the air conditioning that they use for the entire year. Now, that's very appropriate that he was using air conditioning hours, kilowatt hours, as sort of the basis of his analogy. Uh, I wonder when I wonder when Buttigieg is going to get monkeypox, by the way. Oh, like, you know, his time's coming. I want to I want to do as many monkeypox jokes tonight as we can. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to fit it in. Oh, no. We're doing this again. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll come back. I'll let, I'll let okay. you. I know I sprung that on you. I'll give you a yeah. moment. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he's talking about air conditioning, which is particularly appropriate, right? This time of year, because, man, it is hot outside, especially here in the south where it's like 100 plus degree weather, like almost every single day. I tell you what, no sooner than that clip made the rounds on social media than this opinion article came out on CNN. Check out this article right here. Opinion. A very European answer to air conditioning. I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler, by the way. The opinion that that uh, German fellow from Berlin shares, I think his name is uh, Paul Hockness, something like that, Hockness. Uh, the opinion he gives is everyone everyone should just have solar solar panels on their house to power their air conditioner, and if you don't have that, just go without. Yeah. He says, look, guys, it's not so bad. Why don't you just man up? And go without. What? Uh, I want you to take a look. By the way, uh, now this guy's this guy's writing from Berlin, Germany. Go ahead and take a look at the average temperatures right here from Berlin that he's saying that you should man up and deal with. Oh boy, highs of oh. seventy six and lows of fifty one. I just yeah. I can scarce imagine. Oh, man, <sighs> Why not nice. save a few bucks and help the environment by doing what uh, Paul suggests doing? Uh, Paul, aka Captain Beta. Uh, <laughs> And so, so first of all, I, I just want to say, you know, far be it for me to to make fun of a self-respecting metrosexual like Paul right there, but they're they're all upwards of thirty degrees off of what we're talking about here. So obviously, he's they're trying to condition you to list amenities like air conditioning as something you should just be willing to live without, because they want you to get it in your head that it's time to lower your standard of living. We have an agenda, and our agenda only works if you, not them, if you, not us, if you lower your standard of living. That's how these people think. Uh, and also, by the way, just as as a second point, uh, we don't take opinions from people in shithole countries. So just just throwing that out there. But at the end of the day, we know full well where all of this comes from. It's not a coincidence that these articles just so happen to come out at such perfectly timed occasions. If all the Euros had their way, climate science would lead us to this. <laughs> yeah, turn it, yeah. You know what that sounds like to me, Dave? That sounds like some oh. fucking commie gobbledygook. You beat me to it. Guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week and the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Dave was telling me during the break, "Hey, let's 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 keep it let's keep it snappy tonight. No no more no more wasting time with the puns. And the, no no yeah no monkey pox jokes tonight, folks. I just can't quit you, Dave. It has to stop. <laughs> well, <laughs> I saw somebody remarking that you know if it took six feet of social distancing to save you from COVID, what would it take you? What how much social distancing required to save you from monkeypox? I think in in America the average is like five and a half inches. Four inches yeah. is average. Oh oh <laughs> oh, pardon me. Hey, uh, oh, let me tell you about tonight's sponsor before we get. Guys, oh, if you go yeah. to Pat Crest Botanicals for your CBD Delta 8 needs, they have uh, CBD oil, gummies, topical ointments. It's amazing. You go to PatCrestBotanicals.com. If you use promo code, it's too late. You get 30% 30. off. 30% sure. off. I actually have some right here. Here's the Ascend 3000. Can we get a shot? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's mischievous. Well, like it's because, it. you know... It's like it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's it's not heroin, but we do what we can. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna drop us, you know, like right? Oh, that's a killer no. ads. Yeah. Okay. So it's patcrestbotanicals.com. Promo code. It's too late. Hey, uh, hey, Dave. Yes, Alan. What time is it? It's time for meme of the week. Risk of contracting monkeypox from zero, no risk, to five. Giant risk. Gosh. Okay, but no, uh, that was it, though. No okay. more, Dave. All right. I've had enough. All right. Uh, but we do have a bonus <laughs> meme. Check out the bonus meme. Italians then... I fight for an invincible empire stretching across most of the known world using weapons and technology our enemies could scarcely imagine. Oh. Italians now. I cook it a meatball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, I know that there's some ancient historian out there saying that, well, those weren't Italians. They're it Italy did wasn't formed until... <laughs> You know what we have to say to those people. There's a website you can go to to get more information on that to help you. Yeah. I feel like we haven't done that in a while. Has it been a while? I know we might have did it in like an after party or something. Yeah, the after. Yeah, we've been saving all the DSers for the after party because we're trying to make the show more palatable for general audiences. You know, yeah. I got a call from the network and they were like, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't keep, we can't keep talking about monkey pox and yeah. uh, Jews no. who of course are responsible for, okay. But, um, and yeah, <laughs> caught myself. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's answer some viewer mail. I mean, you know, that's their fault though, right? The only thing they don't control is the weather. Huh? Yeah. They. All right. Um, Jonathan Carranza writes, Dear Alan and Dave, if you could choose a new national bird, what would it be? 
I tell you what, Jonathan, I'm actually a big fan of what Benjamin Franklin wanted to do, which is make the national bird the turkey. Oh, he wanted it. He yeah, he wanted the turkey to be the national bird, but I, they they overruled him and made it uh, the bald eagle. What what do you think, Dave? Uh, bird. I, don't know, I like I like sparrows. Those are cool. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, working gangs, gang up on you, try to steal your French fries. You got to watch your back. Uh, Keith McQuarrie writes, Dear Alan and Dave, have you ever gotten a stupid question about stupid questions you have gotten? Uh, we have now. Yeah, that's, that's it. Boy, nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're okay. Um, it's all that time we've been spending together getting over monkeypox. Yeah. Um, quarantining. Andrew, yeah. Yeah. You can't. Seems counterproductive to quarantine those people together. Yeah. Those people. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Dave, is Shark Week the make-o-break point of your year? Hold on. I'm going to Google this real quick. Yeah, no, take a minute. M-A-K-O, shark. Oh, it's a a shark. Yeah, yeah. go go ahead. Google it. No, no, yeah. well, you can pull it up because I, I want, I feel like the only way we're going to dissuade Andrew from this sort of activity is to just really yeah. drive this into the ground. So that's the, so it's Mako Shark, yeah. So the, so the make o break point, you know, make or oh, break. That's a short fin Mako Shark. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's a sh- short fin pun right there. Oh, we got this week. I already rebuked him, by the way, and he tried to give another one. And honestly, the the the, this, the next one was worse, so we went back to the Mako Shark pun. <laughs> so a- Andrew, you gotta you gotta get a pun, Lackey. Uh, Clay Davis writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, if a Larry Bud Melman type of character identified himself as the right fit for your show with unexpected and peculiar comedic bits, would you consider integrating him into the show?" Wow. So that's a that's a that's a throwback to Letterman when he used yeah, to have the, okay. the, the, okay. the short old fellow with the glasses, you know, would come on yeah. and almost like a Don Rickles esque type of a character. Yeah, I remember um, one time they had him sitting there seeing if he could bleed out from a paper cut. <laughs> I don't know if he's <laughs> Yeah. Well he, he died in two thousand eight, so obviously it, it worked. He, well something did. All right. Um I, you know, the thing is, is that we already struggle enough trying to get people to come on the show that are even the slightest bit charismatic or entertaining to have like another entertainer come on to be like a recurring like character seems like it would be difficult. But nice. Nor- like, you know, it would be nice. See, what, what normal late night shows do is the sidekick. They do all of that. So oh. so like. The sidekick is the person who does all the voices and does all the characters. And um, Dave, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, just hanging out with some friends, you know. Got the, got the weekend off. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan and Dave, what is your favorite stand at the farmer's market? Do you guys go to the farmer's market, Dave? 
not on purpose. We've ended up at something like that when we go to like festivals or something, you know, like a music festival or something. They'll have some kind of <laughs> farmer's market you, type thing there. You say that you say that like you just find a hidden compartment in yeah. the back of the wardrobe and you go through it and you're at yeah. the farmer's stand, farmer's market. Yeah. Um honestly I don't go to one. We have a I have a local farmer here that's a big fan of the show and he just brings me the fresh eggs and stuff. So it's like, why do I I don't have to go? Yeah, the farmer stand like just sets up on my porch and knocks on my door, and I open the door and say, "Yeah, I'll take some of those." That's <laughs> that's living the high life right there. All right, uh, Ryan Seifert writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, is it okay for men to cry?" No. Everything all right, Ryan? Okay, so first of all, it is okay for men to cry. Oh, yeah. if they're. Fa- if they're if they get monkeypox, then. But I mean, you know, privately, or if you're watching Lord of the Rings, then it it's you know oh, okay. it makes sense. Yeah. 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 I kind remember we had a question a few weeks ago where the question was, "What was the last time you were watching a movie and it made you cry?" And then I just yeah. I could not only could I not think of I couldn't even yeah. think of a movie that existed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, Ride of the Rohirrim. There you go. So I'm answering someone else's question from a month ago on Ryan's question, but Ryan, I hope everything's okay. Um, but keep it to yourself. All right. Yep. Yep. That's right. Uh, Aaron writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, we were doing good on time. Now it's it's floundered. You know. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Okay. <laughs> so do you think it's because of the viewer mail kind of dragging, or do you think it was because of all the monkeypox jokes? I mean, it could be the the viewer mail. Like we're not staying on the the questions at hand we're kind of meandering mm-hmm. about and i think that's eaten up a little bit of time well okay so i'm good I, we're i'm gonna do like one of those compliment sandwich type things I, or i guess I, I, it's more like sharing the blame so i'm at fault it's not really we it's me because i'm the one wasting time but it's also you because you're supposed to be the one in the monitor going oh and you haven't done that yet in six months <laughs> That is so true. I was, I, can, right. I don't even know where to see the time. Oh, it's right behind me. <laughs> All right. So it's, it's uh, right yeah, it's it's right there. All what? right. What? Oh, we're no. over time. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> guys, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm getting ready to move on to the next question, and now I'm being distracted because someone's going. Uh, Jeremy Hale, do uh, right, Steer Allen and Dave, do beans belong in chili? We already covered that. We'll, mm-hmm. We're not. We don't have time for that. Uh, Brian Johnson writes, Dear Alan and Dave, the grocery store is sold out of all ice cream flavors but one. What is the sole remaining flavor you would expect, and would you buy it or pass? The last flavor I always see left over is like something like pecan, something that has like nuts or something in it. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And that's a pass for me. What about you? Yeah, I'd I'd say something something like that. You know, something with nuts in it, maybe an Mm -hmm. off flavor. Maybe a coffee or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Dean Dyster writes, Dear Alan and Dave, which four monkeys, apes, real or fictional, would you select for your mouth? Okay. <laughs> Dean, um, come come to the after party. Yeah. Uh, and Mary Lynn Willimowski writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Uh-oh. have you ever had a run-in with a celebrity? Dave, you've been having run-ins with celebrities? Oh, 
Oh, I'm supposed to have an answer for this. Would you quit harassing that chick think... from Queen's Gambit, please? No. No, I was no. on the I was on the Deftones tour bus one oh. time because I had a friend who uh somehow tricked them into thinking that we were journalists and I got to take a camera to the concert and we got onto their bus afterwards and he interviewed them poorly. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I've actually met a few different celebrities, but I think that's another one we're going to have to save for the after party because we're now officially over by a lot. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I was, I was waiting to see if you were going to do the thing, but instead you're uh -oh. just like, you're, you're, you're locked in. You're yeah, just like, I'm, I'm getting ready to push a button. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to be back to talk with our friend author, musician, and political pundit Tom Mullen right after this commercial break. Stick around. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our guest this evening is a musician. List that first. It's the most important. An author. Um, would you be offended by being referred to as a political pundit? Uh, no, not at all. I've been called much right. worse even today. <laughs> all right. Uh, and the host of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, which you can find out more about at his website, TomMullenTalksFreedom.com. Is it .com? Yes, sir. I should look these things up before we start these damn things, you know, like, like a real professional host. Tom Mullen, welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Tom, you and I were discussing uh, before we get started tonight. Um, you said, "Hey, let's let's talk about sort of the collapsing narratives and the, the as you referred to them, COVID criminals trying to wiggle their way out of these narratives, which is which is really a great move if you can pull it off because they've been building these narratives for what two and a half years, but suddenly it's no longer politically in vogue to be attached to that sinking ship. And sure enough, wouldn't you know it?" Dr. Anthony Fauci, this very week while we're planning this conversation, goes on TV and says, quote, I never recommended lockdowns. <laughs> Those words came out of this man's mouth on TV, despite the fact that we have, I mean, how many hours of footage of this very man advocating at town halls for that very thing. Uh, Tom, what do you think about that? It's unbelievable. And as you said, he hadn't even made that statement when we first started talking about having this conversation. I was originally referring to Dr. Uh, the Scarf Burks. I can't remember her first name. Is it Deborah? Deborah. Uh, Deborah Burks um, saying that she, she really always knew that the vaccines weren't going to prevent infection. In other words, that they weren't vaccines. And uh, we kind of overplayed those, I think, uh, you know, in hindsight. Um, and and she's trying to wiggle out of, you know, her role in all of this. Of course, 
everybody, I don't know, these people don't realize there's the internet, right? And that people have saved these things, even if you delete, you know, the, the web page. So people are showing footage of her <laughs> contradicting what she's saying now. Same with Fauci. Uh, showing footage of him saying that he recommended to the president that we need to shut down the country. And now he's just trying to say, I never said that. It's like that Eddie Murphy skit from years ago where, you know, he's cheating on his wife and the wife catches him. And he keeps saying, I don't see any girl until the girl leaves. And, you know, somehow we're supposed to fall for this. It's unbelievable. Now, I've actually I've got the quote right here. Uh Deborah Burke said, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. I knew. I, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. She goes on later. 50% of the people who died from the Omicron surge were older and vaccinated. That's, that's especially that last part. That's quite the admission, isn't it? Yeah. And I guess the, the question on my mind, and I'm a little bit cynical about this, is is anyone, and I don't mean the government, I mean the public, will the public hold any of these people accountable? Because the record is not very good on this. Uh, we had the Vietnam War, which they told the public throughout the Vietnam War, it's going good, we're about to win, it's going good, got to spend another $10 billion. And of course, we find out later that it was never going well, or at least it wasn't going as well as the public was being told. And of course, at the end, the uh, North Vietnamese took over South Vietnam. So the whole thing was a big waste. If you go back before that, even the New Deal, you know, at the end of that, the cabinet was starting to say, well, you know, we really didn't solve anything. Unemployment's just as bad as it was when we started. We just spent a whole bunch of money. But Nobody is is even looked askance at uh, historically. No one's saying we can never do another New Deal again. In fact, they they want another New Deal, and there's at least some public support for it. So, you know, I'm I'm a little. I was hoping you'd cheer me up, Alan. You're such an upbeat guy. <laughs> you might you might you might convince me this time it's going to be different. Well, something you've given me so much to to talk about already. Uh, something you brought up a second ago is that you know we have the internet. These these people who tell these just bold-faced lies, it's like they're they're I'm, I I shouldn't call everyone older than me a boomer, but they they're acting like boomers. They're living in a world where you and I can't go on Twitter or YouTube or Google or whatever and in 15 seconds have video evidence that disputes everything coming out of their mouths. Uh, a phrase, Tom, that I use on this show every now and then, is one of my favorite ones, is they don't even respect you enough to lie well. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like when you see these people make these admissions, wild claims to the contrary of video evidence, how much of that do you think is them just being completely ignorant that we live, we live in current day where anyone with an iPhone in five seconds can look these things up? Or do you think is they have just such a complete just disdain for the public at large that they don't care? Well, it's funny. I have a friend who attaches a lot more intelligence and even more sinister motives to these kinds of people than I do. And he's convinced that they actually do this on purpose. They want the critical thinking people out there the people who see through them to, to actually get the message that here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say something completely ridiculous 
and at least enough people are going to believe it that I'm going to get away with it. And there's nothing you can do about it, Alan Mosley or Tom Mullen or anybody else who thinks like you. Now, I mean, that is pretty cynical and sinister. But my problem with that kind of thinking is that over the course of my career, I've managed to Forrest Gump my way into all kinds of situations that no one would believe a guy from some guy from Buffalo on the Internet would would be in. And whenever I've gotten into the secret room, it, rather than, oh, my God, it's worse than I thought. It's more like, really, that's that was it. There was that's all you were thinking when you did this. It's usually something you usually find that these people are not deep thinkers. You usually find that they're not capable of the kinds of devious master plans. But, you know, it's just the evidence keeps piling up that there can be no uh, excuse for any of this. By the way, I, I wanted to mention, too, Burks also admits that when she she recommended the lockdown, she had no evidence it would work. But since she pitched 15 days to flatten the curve, that she said to herself, well, at least I have 15 days to get the evidence. And of course, at least the reporter on that story doesn't say, and did you ever get the evidence? Of course, it's not there. Well, you, you brought up the historical angle. You talked about the New Deal, talked about Vietnam. But the the interesting kind of point there being that Sometimes we look at things, you know, years, decades in the past, and we say, oh, well, we know today that narrative X, Y, and Z were incorrect. But oftentimes, as you pointed out, the, the cabinet, I mean, short, I mean, in the same, within years of the New Deal policies being instituted, they already knew that was a failure. And so it's similar, I think, to COVID is that there were people on day one saying, well, this is not how public health is supposed to function. And then there were certainly people three months later, six months later, you know, at the end of that summer of 2020 saying, oh, look, these these policies don't work. The the writing is already on the wall that this was a terrible disaster. And yet, as you pointed out, you know, let's fast forward a couple of years. There's what there's what we know and there's what we know. And what we know is this whole thing has been bungled from minute one. But the historical record, I, I have a I have a hunch Tom, this you want to talk about being cynical. Here's my cynicism coming out. <laughs> I have a hunch that while people like you and me from the very beginning may have realized, look, this is not going anywhere good. I bet the popular history texts five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, will say that absolutely every policy enacted was for the public good, that things would have been way worse. It's it's that same line of the vaccines, right? The vaccines don't work, but boy, when I get COVID anyway, it's a sure good thing I was vaccinated. That's that's like that token line from every celebrity or politician with their four jabs who ends up getting sick anyway. It's always, well, yeah, I got sick, but it would have been worse. I have a hunch that that's what the official historical record is going to be, no matter what you and I think we know. Yeah, and I, there's a lot of reasons, I think. Uh, number one, they have academia. They have had academia for over 100 years. So academia, the historians work in academia, and they write the history, and they never fail to write the history that the private sector and voluntary cooperation was a disaster until the government came in and saved everything with some ridiculous policy. And the, I mean, it, that's what makes me somewhat cynical about the way this will be remembered. Now, there's a large percentage of the public 
who can see right through all this. And, you know, you don't need that John Hopkins study to tell you lockdowns didn't do any good. You can just look around and see the many states that at least abandoned this at the beginning of 2021, if not earlier, that are not disasters. And people will say, well, they had 10 percent more of this than that. No, 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 no. The the degree to which there is no pile of bodies in any of these states or these countries that didn't lock down, that overcomes confounding variables. You don't need an RCT study to show what is readily apparent. So, you know, I think there's millions of people who see that. Let's just say half the country here in the United States sees that. You don't need half to, you don't need 75% to agree with you. If you've got enough of the other side to go along, maybe not even a majority, you have enough to write the history the way you want. I mean, that's kind of my view of this kind of thing, because I know when I'm 90 years old, if I make it that far, I'll still be trying to tell people none of that did anything. All it did was destroy the country. We were still suffering the economic damage from those lockdowns decades later. And they'll be reading their school history book that says, no, 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 no. Dr. Fauci saved the country. And I'm not exactly sure what to do about it. Well, it's it's a tough question. I know you and I are both kind of history wonks. Uh, my degrees are in history. And it's it's tough because I think if you were to grab the average person on the street today and say, hey, let's let's talk a little bit about fake news, the phenomenon of fake news. Now, the first problem might be that they think fake news is a recent phenomenon, whereas I would say, oh, no, 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 no. Fake fake news has been with us for that. That has infected journalism for hundreds of years. Um, however, it's it's a it's it's almost a foreboding thing to just kind of come to terms with that if the news is fake. If 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 what CNN or Fox or anyone else is spouting to us right now is at a minimum coded in propaganda, at a maximum is just objectively false. What what about all those history books I read? What about all those things that we 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 know what happened decades or even centuries before? How much of that didn't exactly happen the way we thought it did? Yeah, well, go go. Go to the first incident in American history, uh, Jamestown. What, what were we told about the Jamestown colony? Like they, they were all starving because, I don't know, mosquitoes or something. And <laughs> they were suddenly incompetent when they got to the New World. Same with the so-called pilgrims in Plymouth. And when you actually go back to read the accounts closer, well, you can read Bradford's account of the uh, Plymouth colony, and you can read... Captain John Smith's account of the Jamestown colony, and they both say, well, the problem was we had this communist system, and as soon as we got rid of it, we didn't have a problem anymore. Well, that's the primary source says that. Now, how did I go through like 40 years of my life and get uh, not only a, a bachelor's degree, but a master's degree, and never heard anything about that? What I heard in Plymouth was, well, they didn't know how to grow corn in the New World until Squanto, the Indian, taught him this trick about putting a dead fish under each stalk. And then after that, everything was fine. And, you know, it's funny that that's what they teach. I mean, go look at the history book your kids are reading today. They're not going to find anything about what William Bradford said was the problem and how it was solved. Same with John Smith. We've got Disney movies about Pocahontas. Nobody has a clue about this. 
it's hard to believe that that's not intentional. I agree completely. And there's something that you already touched on that I, I want to talk a little bit about. Because you you know me. I, I'm always a salt the earth kind of person. Let's talk a little bit about consequences. Now, uh, a question we had on the show actually just a few weeks ago. But but I, I want to revisit it with you because I think it's it's very appropriate for this topic. Is... The bad actors suffering consequences for their actions. And, and the question that we dealt with a few weeks ago on the show, Tom, was can, can a people, can you or I, can society as a whole ever really move on from a debacle if the bad actors don't suffer consequences for their actions? So I guess I'll ask you a two-parter. Is first the answer to that question. Can society move on without the bad actors suffering negative consequences for their actions. Uh, and two, do you think that the worst of the worst, the lockdown governors, the Department of uh, the FDA people, Department of Health people, the Burkses, the Fauci's of the world, will those people ever suffer negative consequences? And however you choose to define the term, if that means jail time, great. If it just means uh, political or career consequences, whatever, however you choose to define the term, can society move on without it, and will those people ever suffer consequences? Well, I'm, I'm not hopeful that they will. Um, you know, and the the fair consequences. I, I'm not a death penalty person. I I wouldn't even want to give uh, Fauci or or um, or Klaus Schwab, for that matter, the death penalty. Uh, but they should be tried for fraud. At least Fauci should be tried for fraud. He knowingly lied under oath. That's a crime. I mean, it is to me like, well, you know, uh, lying to Congress is kind of like speaking French in France, but um, but it is against the law. And more importantly, he defrauded the public and he encouraged the president to try to mandate a vaccine that we can now see the the, the trials were not honest. They were riddled with uh, it, it seems like intentionally um misleading information. Uh, Burks knew that the lock, there was no proof these lockdowns were going to do anything, yet she recommended that the president uh, really end the careers of a lot of people. You know, we haven't even recovered all the jobs that that we lost just in March and April of, of 2020. Um, you know, they keep saying, oh, we got 300,000 new jobs. Well, if you add up the jobs we lost and then all the ones we supposedly gained since then, at the last month, we were still 200,000 short. And when we get to even, it's not like we're going to be even. There's something like 5 million jobs that should have, be, have been created on top of that 20 million. So, you know, this, is, this has caused generational damage. And I think that if these people were convicted of fraud and just given some jail sentences and restitution, that would wake the public up that, that yes, these people, the government is capable of committing crimes against the public, which you and I know they do every day. That just doesn't enter the mind of, of at least half the country, all the people with these circles around their profile pics, we can do this, all this nonsense. I mean, you know, these people, it never enters their mind that, that the government could be criminal. And that's that's what needs to happen is that awakening. 
Well, it's so interesting when you wade into the political side of things, because I, I know a lot of people expect that the midterms and, and probably the next presidential election as well is going to be a red wave. There's going to be a lot, a lot of Republicans are going to be taking office in the next two, uh, next couple of years. And, and that's all well and good to say, well, this is, this is a political comeuppance for Democrats for, for lockdowns and, and masking and, and madness. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm with you that I don't expect there to ever truly be consequences for these people because the the career Republican co- politicians are just as much a part of the swamp as they are. It, I don't I don't see any great trials taking place. There's not going to be a January 6th commission-esque run by right-wingers in which they put on all the left-wing COVID people on trial. It's not going to happen because... They would have to put a lot of themselves on right. trial as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, yeah, nobody's uh, innocent on the lockdowns. Not even DeSantis. He locked down from March until I think the end of September of 2020. All right. To his credit, he listened to and I think he actually read the scientific data and said, "Okay, I, I'm not convinced that this is doing anything. I'm going to change my mind." That's great. But he did do it. And then most of the Republican governors, to some extent, went along with uh, the lockdowns for much longer than he did. Um, and and here's the thing. Here's the problem with politics is that let's say they, they have this big landslide, which I'm not at all convinced that they're going to have. I think we've been talking about this la- landslide too long. It's it's like uh, People in the stock market say when everything one thinks something's going to go one way, it's going to go the other. But let's just say that it does go that way and the Republicans get in. Number one, we know that they never uh, get in there and abolish any bad laws. And they really don't have a lot of incentive to go after those people because now they've got power. And what they want to do is keep power. They want to keep as many people on the fence from you know, thinking that they were too harsh. They don't want to give the other side this this cause, this reason to get motivated to go out and get them out two years later. So it's always better to keep the status quo. And the only thing I'm wondering, and, and this is the question, will they go in there and, and keep the January 6th commission going? Why aren't they calling uh, that guy in who took down all the fences? They've uh, caught him on video out there taking the the barricades down before any rioters got to the the perimeter of the Capitol. Of course, Ray Epps. Why aren't they going to call him up and let's see him testify on camera under oath that he was never in contact with any government agency, state or federal, on January fifth or sixth before the conversation with the FBI that he admits to. I mean, these are easy things that anybody, you know, would would bring up. Any reporter would ask if anyone was being honest here. I'm I'm I don't think the Republicans are even going to do that. I'd like to I'd like to believe differently. Well, you know me, I, I love crapping all over Republicans. Um, it's there, There's a certain irony. Uh, we had a clip from last week that I will admit was really just red meat for right wingers. And it got a lot of views. And, and I mean, I'm not. I'm not displeased with having made the clip, but I'm always mindful of the fact of, well, this, you know, all the right wingers are really loving this clip. So, you know, next week we're going to crap all over Republicans just to because we have to maintain balance here on the program. 
uh, a lot of people pointed out, you know, Steve Bannon, you know, he was found guilty. He's probably going to get 30 days or whatever he's going to get. Well, you know, uh, Obama's holder who involved with the, all the fast and furious stuff and the gun running, he appeared before Congress on those very topics, lied to their faces and was proven to be a liar. Was he prosecuted? No. Why wasn't he? Because Republicans just never seem to have the stones to really go after their opponents the way that their opponents are willing to go after them. Would you say that that's an accurate statement? Yeah, I think there's a lot more of the Jacobin in the uh, uh, Democrats and on the left. I mean, these are the people who um, who operated the guillotine. And yeah, I think that there there just isn't that that spirit on the Republican side. And to some, you know, in, in normal times, that's probably good, right? You don't want uh, the political system being used to go out there and chop people's heads off figuratively or literally. But at some point, you know, they have to do something other than hold the line because they're always holding a line that's 50 yards back. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing is, what are their principles? I mean, they don't really believe in the things that we believe in. Um, they believe in that stability is an end of itself. And, you know, what do they fight about when, when even when they're campaigning, you know, on spending, it's spending on Big Bird. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cut three cents off the $4 trillion budget, and uh, that's that's the hill I'm going to die on. Or, I mean, any any high-profile cause that a Republican takes is one that isn't going to make a significant difference to the average American. And we all know what those differences would be. And of course, neither side wants to look at that, like cutting the middle military in half, like repealing the whole new deal, all of it, get rid of all of those executive agencies that are in, you know, uh, defiance of the constitution legislating every day. Um, Social Security and Medicare, they've got to go. That's unpopular, but they either have to go or that's all you're going to pay for. So, um, and sooner or later, you won't be able to pay for that. So, you know, these are the kinds of things somebody has to tell Americans. It's never a good day to do it, but I think we're really getting close to that. It was always decades in the future. I think we're months in the future at this point. Yeah, I, I know it's it's funny you talk about something like Social Security. The the next wiggling out of the narrative is going to be you're going to have left wingers 20 years from now saying, well, we never thought Social Security was supposed to be a full retirement. We always <laughs> thought it was just supposed to be supplemental. Uh, so that's just, you know, stay tuned for that. Uh, but the, this is this is the prediction that I'll make I, that I'll make here. I do predict that the Republicans will take the House and the Senate, and I do predict that we will have a Republican president next. However, I also predict that a lot of them will, will run on the platform of and, and even perhaps say or do something in Congress to the extent of lockdowns and mandates associated with COVID were wrong. Now, that's not an incorrect statement, but I think the difference between the statement you and I would make and what the, the statement that milquetoast Republicans would make is they're saying Lockdowns and mandates associated with COVID were wrong. You and I would say lockdowns and mandates are wrong. We don't have to put, 
you know, because of COVID. We don't have to put because of anything. And sure enough, this is where Republicans fail. You're already hearing the whispers of, oh, monkeypox, that's going to be the next boogeyman. And the Biden administration is already mulling over. Well, let's let's stockpile monkeypox monkeypox vaccines. Let's uh, let's let's consider uh, calling a national emergency over monkeypox. So, again, it's not really about monkeypox, is it? It's about having established the precedent that you can just declare an emergency at any time on any whim with no hard data whatsoever to prove it being necessary and then roll out all the pork you can imagine. I don't see Republicans really being willing to turn off the spigot. No. And, you know, another thing that would be an easy thing to do, whether it would succeed or not, was is propose an amendment that the federal government has no right to mandate a vaccine or other medical treatment. Easy. Propose the amendment and see if the the required number of states will ratify it. That you know, there's 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 no that's that's an easy thing to do. Um, will they do it? I don't know. I, I I'm not sure that that would fail because you're not talking about majority of individuals. You're talking about what is it? Thirty six states, and I'm not sure that you couldn't get thirty six states to go along with that, but. We should find out. I've always said we should have a lot more amendments to the Constitution. Let's find out what the uh, the uh, governed are willing to consent to or not. That's the only way for them to consent to a new power. And you could even propose them for for past things like Social Security. And that doesn't mean that if the 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 amendment were ratified, it would make it right. But at least we'd have you know some semblance that people agreed to this. However. Uh, you know, imperfect the agreement was, whereas right now, you know, I, I just don't see anything like that happening. And it just popped into my mind, but wouldn't that be an easy win? Propose an amendment. Well, it's that'll have to be a conversation, I think, for us for another day is which which group is worse? Are liberals worse because they they know that they can't pass constitutional amendments, so they just end around it by executive decree? or in bureaucracy, or are conservatives worse because they could propose amendments and don't? Yeah, I, I mean, I, they probably wouldn't want to propose a lot of amendments for the things that, because basically the left got everything they wanted in the 20th century, but it would be a good exercise to do that and, and just see how many things that, let's say, the Supreme Court uh, added to the federal list of powers that would not be able to pass in an amendment. And I mean, this is another thing that if people really believed in the constitution, and I mean the, the general public, that you know the federal government should not exercise any power not given to it, they would not sit still for this group of high priests in black robes to sit there and listen to hours of testimony and then have to write an 80 page paper telling them that, yes, indeed, this power really is in this five-page document. You know, we, we found it in there. Uh, if it isn't obviously in the document, then at least in the spirit of the Constitution, you propose an amendment. And if indeed, you know, this is something the federal government already has, well, it should fly right through. Everybody should ratify it in a minute. Uh, so it's really dishonest to even go through, to me, the exercise of judicial review. Because you're already saying that, you know, on a first read, I can't find this power there. And now I need nine lawyers politically appointed 
to try and come up with some tortured reasoning why it really is in there somewhere. So um, really, you know, I, it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that nobody really believes in the idea of the constitution anymore. Not, not obviously not the politicians, but not even the public either. Well, on that note, I know we're running short on time, but I feel like we would be remiss to not mention Ukraine for a moment. Uh, and I know you had that in your notes as well, because the, the Ukraine narrative kind of very similar to monkeypox, COVID, whatever. Of course, COVID is like the never ending story, right? You know, that's that's still with us two and a half years later. I don't think Ukraine's going to make it that long. Uh, I don't think that it, it just the narrative simply won't survive that long because the war won't go that long. Uh, and you're already seeing that narrative start to fall apart. I saw an article, Tom, uh, that was in CN. I think it was in uh, MSNBC or CNBC, but but a major left-leaning news outlet. That was that th the headline was basically purporting that well, we always knew that Ukraine was one of the most corrupt countries in the world. <laughs> you know, maybe we should have been second guessing all this money. Now, I was genuinely surprised to see that headline, both from the outlet it came from and the fact that wow, is the narrative already shifting on Ukraine so soon? What do you think? Well, there was another one in foreign policy where they pointed out that Ukraine is literally keeping their civilian men prisoner in their districts, not allowing them to travel, not allowing them to leave the district, much less the country, in case they need to press them into service later. So uh, and they you know, the article was not flattering about this. So this is foreign policy, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, mouthpiece mouthpiece of the empire, uh, for all those who don't already know. Um, so yeah, you're starting to see them put out the idea. Let, let's start backing away from this. Now, in, in terms of how much longer this is going to go on, I saw a clip from Gonzalo, Gonzalo Lira. I never get his name right the first time. And he's of course considered Russian propaganda or whatever, just a guy that lives in Ukraine that hasn't towed the, uh, the imperial line, but he says that the, the fighting is about to end in the Donbass region, but that there's really nothing there after if, when the Russians break out of the Donbass, there's just nothing to stop them to the Polish border. Now he's either right or wrong about that. If he's right and the war is over in let's say four to six weeks, what are they going to say then? I mean, they're still telling us now that they're about to depose Putin, you know, that he's in trouble in Russia and that Russia's running out of steam. That's another headline from the other day. While they're also starting to plant these negative things about Ukraine. So, um, you know, it's another one. When it, Let's just say that Russia wins this thing in the next month and has to and is able to impose a very harsh uh, treaty on Ukraine to, to end all this and cuts them off from the Black Sea, takes Odessa, etc. What What's the empire going to say and what's the public going to do when they've been told and been fleeced of 60 plus billion dollars sent to Ukraine, just like Vietnam, under the pretense that it's all going very well? Are, are they even going to object to this or just go along with it? That's going to be interesting to see. Well, it's a toughie because, you know, it's it's almost like in, in modern politics and modern medias, we're, we're things have always been this way, but we're in a true accelerationist time that 
instead of a narrative being built for months or years or even decades, a narrative is just pops up out of thin air and is and is <laughs> you know parroted by all the bots and media establishment, and it may only last sixty days, ninety days, and boom, they're on to the next thing, if if even that. Uh, and so I think a lot of people right, rightfully wonder, well, wait a minute. If they announce that they are sending another billion dollars to Ukraine on a Tuesday, and then that Thursday the war is declared over, and they're at the and they're at the negotiating table, does that mean they're sending that billion dollars back? Where did that billion dollars go? Uh, I mean, <laughs> we all can remember back to Iraq, right? And and in the post nine eleven world, we can remember back to the audits at the Pentagon and the trillions of dollars missing, and the billions of dollars that went to Iraq for various programs that then. You know, in 15 seconds of auditing, you can say, here's the money, here's the next ledger, the money's gone. And there's just no trail, it's just simply disappeared. I think a lot of people, Tom, look at Ukraine that way, and I'm happy that a lot of people are waking up to that. But I feel like, and I hate to end this on a cynical note, but while while I feel like more of the public at large might see that perspective, the problem is, is that when all of those orders and bills were being put forth to send billions of dollars to aid to places like Ukraine, the Democrat and Republican establishment couldn't sign off on it fast enough, which means that you have a larger percentage of the public who says, oh man, that was, that was a grift. But they don't really have anyone to vote for. Who, what, what, what side of the political aisle are you supporting? They both were perfectly content to do it. You know, I, I don't know if this is philosophical or what you'd call it, but I wonder, and this occurred to me just before we came on, does specialization lead to this kind of thing? In other words, specialization, the division of labor, and extreme specialization, which is what our modern economy has, with people that are so focused on one very narrow occupation. Now, this produces tremendous wealth, of course, and uh, all of the, the miracles uh, that the, the private sector produces. But I wonder if it just also leads people to just not know anything else besides what they specialize in. And just picture that I think Joe Biden's uh, approval ratings are in the 30s. And some of those people might not even know why they approve of them. And let me suggest that you could have very low public approval of something, but you have a public that thinks that there is a majority approval. In other words, I like you said, I have the bots, I have all the media saying what I want them to say, and the average person who does their very specialized job is just saying, well, it sounds like that's what everyone thinks, when in fact all the people around them actually object as he does or she does. I don't know. It's just a speculation that ran through my mind that we could have this society full of people who don't agree with any of this um, and uh, and maybe just don't realize how much support they have. Tom, where can people go to get, to support you and get more Tom Mullen goodness? Uh, Tom Mullen talks freedom.com. That's the place to go. The podcast is there. My writing is there. And if you care to sign up for Patreon or Substack, you can do that on the support page. Tom, we're going to get you out of here on this one. Are you ready? All right. Is a waffle a cake? Wow. I'm not ready for that one. I, I got the last one right. So I don't want to go out with a tie is a waffle a cake 
it's got batter. It's made on a griddle. It's not baked. I'll say no. It's not baked. No. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Unfortunately, a waffle is a cake. We have to shame our friends and neighbors who eat cake for breakfast, and that is including waffles. But, Tom, you did pretty good otherwise. Thanks for being here with us, buddy. I appreciate it. Always my pleasure, Alan. Thanks. We're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Stick around. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Also, we're on Odyssey. Go support free speech platforms. Odyssey, it's too late with Alan Mosley or at TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. That's thanks to Anchor FM, anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. Uh, Dave, do you have a final thought? Uh, man, we've been having bangers of uh, interviews lately. Tom Mullins, that was awesome. Great show. We are amazing. You guys had a great time. Yeah. Can't wait to see you guys in the, the- after party, and we'll see you next week. These folks don't even know the guests that we have coming up in the near future, but you can't tell them because if you tell them, everything falls apart mm-hmm. so you just have to wait guys we're gonna the after party is over on twitch twitch.tv slash alan underscore mosley for the after party but if you're not going to be there we will see you next week it's a good show time? dave what is the time i still don't know where to find that i mean i can see it back there it's really like cool. don't you just have a clock around you oh no, i could just look at normal time just look at a clock yeah because the oh. show's an out yeah it's an hour, and we start at yeah nine nine yeah. Eastern. So since it's so since it's two past, oh excuse me, three past. Yeah. You owe me three hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah, the network, it's man. It's it's the network, you know. Oh, they got yeah the fines. Yeah, that's it's that it's the ad price, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Killer. Sorry, buddy. 